Everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 273 of X Labs. Where, uh, hey, we're back. We got physical comics to talk about here. I know uh, the past several episodes of this program have been dedicated to uh, Marvel's Digital Fair over on uh, the Unlimited app, but uh, thankfully, we're back to physical media now. We're back to books that aren't X Men Green. <laughs> so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, it is Excalibur Day, which, I mean, it could be better, but. Uh, at least it's not X-Men Green. So we are going to take it as a win and excitedly and optimistically <laughs> go through this issue. Uh, this is Excalibur Volume 4, number 24, at a December 2021 cover date. Stories called By the Pleasure of the Court, written by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Toe, colors Eric Arshinaga, letters VCs Ariana Marr, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits Bisa Brunstad, White Sabolski, cover price 4 bucks. This went on on sale October the 6th. Of 2021. Now, before we get into the story here, uh, there is an ad on the inside front cover of this comic featuring Iceman, and it says "Cool enough." Now, now me being in the comics bubble like I am, I assume that maybe this was like promoting yet another attempt at making Bobby a solo lead in another uh, quote-unquote ongoing comic, or uh, since the ad does include a QR code, I thought maybe it was some sort of a digital comic. Right? Maybe even if it was just like a digital advertisement, it'd be something funny to, or something fun to cover. You know, it's an X-Men thing, it's current year. Maybe it's going to be like a one-shot on Marvel Unlimited, who knows, right? Well, um, it was far, far worse than that. Um, now, if you come across this ad in your reading travels, um, do yourselves a favor and resist the urge to scan that QR code. Man, the things I do for this show. <clears throat> anyway... Now we open with a mostly blank quote page. Ah, it's good to be back. Uh, it's from La Morte d'Arthur by Thomas Mallory, and it's about Mordred. Yeah, Mordred is going to be a thing, apparently. Now our story begins with Betsy Britton having a meal with the Count Hexes of uh, Sevelith, Ublia and Oscura. Now they're these sort of kind of generic-looking Nosferatu-ish vampires, and I guess they're in charge of Sevelith. Now, she's here looking for answers about that assassin that attempted to strike an issue or two back. You remember that? Because I barely do. I mean, that was like a, a three-panel aside where an assassin, like, literally popped in from out of nowhere, didn't actually kill anyone, and then vanished. Probably just to set up this scene. Well, we get uh, some more Friends of Mordred stuff in this conversation. Uh, a lot of mentions of Witchbreed, uh, the Furies being involved, yada, yada, yada. Betsy reminds the vamps that Mordred, who is slash was a mutant, has been allied or at least associated with Morgan Le Fay, and she is certainly no friend of mutants. 
she also accuses Sevilith of attacking Avalon. So, was the assassin a vamp? I mean, it was such a blip, I honestly don't recall. Anyway, Ubla and Asuka, uh, they explain that Sevilith and Avalon have been at war forever. However, despite the fact that they're in opposition, Sevilith always respects their enemies. Uh, they talk of immortality uh, to the point of making Death himself a courtier, or courtier, I don't know how you say that word. Now, this reminds Betsy that, yes, they literally did that. You know, Death is here on Sevilith, or in Sevilith, and so she asks to speak with Apocalypse's dog-headed son. Double-page spread of roll call and cred, our characters will include Betsy Britton, Gambit, Jubilee, Richter, Megan, and Saturnine. Back to comics, and we're over to the Crooked Market, where Gambit is having a black market of his own. He's selling a bunch of things, including strawberry Pop-Tarts to an old woman, or, or something like that. Now, the thing here is that Gambit is doing this without a license. Now, this provokes uh, Mad Jim Jaspers into confronting him about his unauthorized business. Now, Jim is walking a whole bunch of dogs, and it might be worth noting that they all seem to have humanish faces. Now, Gambit says he'll bring Jim some tea from the 616 next time he's around to make up for his faux pas. To which, Jim uses his warping ability to put Gambit in a French maid's outfit in order to... make Tumblr and Instagram squee, and also to illustrate how powerful he truly is. Now, this is to say, if Jim Jaspers wants tea... He doesn't need Gambit to do him any special favors. He could do whatever the hell he wants. Gambit mentions that should the big Otherworld War happen, all mutants might be kicked out, including Mad Jim. To which Jim laughs because, uh, well, he's rich, and uh, that sort of fate only matters to the poor. You know, he's a rich man, and uh, I guess the rich are, are bad. So here we are paying $4 for 18 half-hearted pages of comics to be told how awful capitalism is. Anyway, from here, next stop, Roma Regina's place, where Jubilee and Megan are having a tea party with the ruler of the place. Shogo is here, and has, as has become the norm when we're in uh, Otherworld, he is a dragon. And I think what they're building to here is how Shogo might actually, maybe not belong in Otherworld, but um, like would thrive and be happiest if left in Otherworld, which, I tell you what, that gets my vote. Now, Roma sweet-talks Jubilee about how well she's raised him, and considering how, like, five years ago Shogo was able to, like, speak and walk, and now he can't, we must be grading on a curve. Now, she also pets Jubilee's chin and tells her that her name is Gorgeous, uh, which made me assume this scene was going to go a very different way. Anyway, Jubilee seems to be well aware that Shogo might need to be in Otherworld to be at his happiest, but... Well, she refers to herself as being sh as selfish. She's not ready to let him go. She's not ready to give him up. Also, she is kind of worried that he will uh, ultimately become a weapon due to his access to Dragonfire. And we did see what happened the last time he spewed Dragonfire. It can actually tear the fabric of Otherworld. So she doesn't want him to be a weapon. Next, we head over to Dryador. You all remember Dryador, right? Uh, this is the Fallen Kingdom that fell during the opening scenes of X of Tens. It's now kind of a menth's foothold in Otherworld. Here we catch up with Richter, Shatterstar, and Bay the Blood Moon. This is a fairly confusing and, uh, you know, uh, maybe an ultimately pointless page. <laughs> you see, uh, there's supposed to be a doorway to a here, right? That's kind of the whole gig. Now, Bay suggests that Richter is here only in order to try and find a way to see... Ey! It's been a long time since I've said that. But Richter says, no, that's not true at all. And that's it. So why did we spend a page here? I don't know. 
From here, we head back to Sevelith, where Betsy is chatting up death. They talk about the assassin, also the potential Otherworld War and its ramifications for uh, mutant kind in Otherworld. Also, Storm, because death did dance with Storm during that pre-fight dinner during X of Tens and is apparently quite smitten. Betsy then takes a carriage to somewhere in the shadow of the Starlight Citadel, where she and the rest of the team are going to have themselves a campout. Next up, an info page. Sorta. Now, it's a poster about the false Captain's Britain. What? That, that's still a thing? I'm, that, that was like a year and a half? Come on, okay. You might not remember, and I wouldn't blame you if you don't, but like a hundred years ago, that weirdo Jamie Braddock did something where he manifested these Gambit, Rogue, Jubilee, and Richter versions of Captain Britain. And I guess Teeny just remembered them too? Because, like, most of the entire back half of this friggin' issue was dedicated to this trial. It's worth noting, the uh, Jubilee Captain Britain is not among those on trial. Did she die? I, I don't remember. Maybe she died. Anyway, back to comics, and it's trial time. Saturnine is serving as judge, because of course she is. Uh, Betsy Britton Prime is asked for some opening statements, and, uh, well, she's in favor of letting the false captains live, citing that... These fakers, uh, in actuality, have seniority over the post-X of Ten's Captain Britain Corps members, you know, the Betsy Brigade. Which is true, but I mean, uh, does this matter to anybody? Does anybody have any investment in this? Anyway, the trial is interrupted by the arrival of Merlin. Now, he informs everyone that Arthur has, has returned, and indeed, Arthur has returned. We see him outside flanked by Furies, Vamps, and some of those bee people from the Hot Hive. We get several pages of trash-talking and exposition to try and force this scene into feeling as though it makes any organic sense. Arthur is here based purely on what Merlin has told him about current-day Avalon or Camelot. Also, the prophecy that Arthur's own son Mordred will arrive and betray him. Merlin puts two and two together for Artie here, suggesting that Mordred will ultimately side with the Witchbreed. Merlin calls out the mutants for invading and taking over Otherworld, which... is not exactly wrong, is he? Apocalypse did sort of take the place by force, and then he installed that weirdo Jamie Braddock on his own, so... Yeah, I feel like the mutants might actually be interlopers here. Anyway, we cut out of here right before the big fight can truly begin, so I'm guessing this uh, is what we're going to see next time. But next episode, thankfully, we've got Hellions. But let's talk about this issue here, and... Um feel like I'm going to go off uh, off the expected path here and say that uh, I didn't dislike this. Um, <laughs> I was expecting to. It's Otherworld, right? So if you dig Otherworld, you're going to dig this. I'm not a huge fan of Otherworld, as has been documented. But still, I feel like this was an okay story. Uh, the art was, you know, uh, absolutely beautiful as well. Uh, go Again, keeping off the, uh, the path of what we usually say on Excalibur Day is... Uh, I didn't necessarily feel like I missed an issue. You know, usually that's my top complaint here. It's like things just kind of happen and we're expected to kind of connect dots that may or may not actually be there. This was kind of the opposite of that. We're getting some like real, I don't know if niche is the right word or if it's just like a, just little bits and pieces from the, the entire run here that are kind of just being dripped and dribbled back into the, the forefront here. And what I'm talking about there is the false captains, Britain. I didn't think we'd see them again. I didn't think they mattered, but I guess uh, I guess they do. Uh, we have 
that assassin who popped in for like literally three panels an issue or two ago is suddenly like a, a big deal. <laughs> I, you know, I, we talk about when a, when a book is coming to a close, and this one is rumored to be coming to a close with the new uh, transition into the uh, whatever the next phase of this uh, era is going to be. And so the last handful of issues of this volume are going to have to do the lion's share of uh, wrapping things up. You know, as satisfying as possible or as complete as, uh, as they want it to be. And in situations like that, uh, the watchword is usually truncation, right? That's something we've talked about a lot during this show, where a book is going to be canned. It is suddenly, like, just full, <laughs> chock full of content here. Everything is very conveniently put into place, and everything is rushed to a conclusion because... Well, there just aren't any more um, issues coming out, so you got to get them done while you can. And this doesn't quite go to that extent. You know, this doesn't feel like we're forcing things in to make sure we cover them. It just feels like we're bringing things back without adequate lead-up. I mean, I I guess uh, the difference between that and truncation is probably nebulous, (laughs) and I'm probably doing a fairly rotten job of explaining it. But uh, it's one of those things, I guess, you, you just know it when you see it. I don't feel like this is being truncated, but I do feel like things are being kind of forced back into the story because we don't have that many pages left and things just have to be wrapped up. And, I mean, this is all going based on my assumption and uh, whatever it is that I know about story pacing, which admittedly isn't terribly much. I just know what I've read over the past, you know, few decades, and uh, I can kind of establish a pattern, I think. <laughs> I maybe not, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know, if this book got another 15, 20 issues to explore these things, did we really need another two or three with the false Captain's Britain? Probably not. Did we need an entire issue of, uh, of Excalibur fighting the Sevilith assassin? Probably not. I think it may have... Been uh, advantageous to give it more than a handful of panels Just to show us that, hey, this is something that's important This is something that's going to have to be addressed Rather than, you know, having a blip in, blip out And then the characters look at each other going, well, that was weird We also got that odd, uh, you know, page aside and dry a door Where they're, they're maybe looking for a door, maybe not looking for a door I feel like that was the scene in this issue That was kind of like the assassin scene an issue or two back Where it's like we got to make sure we drop this in there because something will eventually happen from it. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know if we're going to get an apocalypse appearance. I really haven't the foggiest idea. I think I'd be down with that. I think that could be pretty fun. Uh, we haven't seen him since uh, since the end of X of Tens. So that could be an interesting thing to see. And it also uh, might lead into uh, Merlin's speech at the end of this issue here where he basically calls the mutants out on being invaders. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all here. Uh, this I really liked because it brought me back to like some of our earliest discussions on this program where we were trying to figure out whether or not the Krakoans, the mutants, the X-Men were the good guys in this situation or the bad guys in this situation because everything is very morally ambiguous. And I think that's kind of been one of the themes of this era And to have it brought back up here in a way that is actually organic, in a way that actually makes sense, and in a way that actually provokes thought, I like that. Because 
you have to figure that you got Betsy Britton here. She hears this stuff. You guys invaded. You guys did this. You guys did that. It's whether or not she physically takes pause, you have to assume that mentally she's thinking about it, right? It's like, well, wait a minute. Well, yeah, we kind of threw Morgan Le Fay out. Uh, Apocalypse did whatever he did, and suddenly mutants have a stronghold in uh, in Otherworld that they took by force. Not diplomatically, not fairly, it was just by force. So this, in theory, could lead to this volume wrapping up with Betsy Britton laying down her sword and being like, hey, my bad, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't have done this. Uh, Otherworld can do what Otherworld's going to do, and we are going to step out for a bit. I might be a little Pollyanna-ish in that, uh, <laughs> in that thought here, but uh, fingers crossed that uh, this volume ends with maybe putting Otherworld back on the shelf for a little while, or, or maybe handing it over to other writers to deal with elsewhere. We've got the Mordred situation as well. Um, I don't really know much about Mordred. I really don't care about Mordred. I do know that I believe it was Simon Spurrier who, I don't know if he was featured prominently or if he was just shown or if he was just mentioned, but I guess there was a recent three or four part Black Knight miniseries. And I believe in that, Mordred is at least brought up. He might show up. He might actually be co-featured in it. But, uh... He was, in fact, part of that story. I didn't read that story, but uh, I might have to check Unlimited to see if it's something that we need to at least have like a basis of understanding on here that uh, maybe we can discuss in bits and pieces. I, I don't see us covering the entire uh, miniseries for uh, you know just a Mordred mention, but then again, if anyone listening thinks otherwise, if, uh, if that is necessary to get the full context of whatever the final or potentially final arc of Excalibur might be predicated on, hey, drop me a line, let me know, and I would be more than happy to uh, give it a look and uh, discuss it here on the program. Either way, I figure I'll take a look at it, and if there's anything expository or context-wise that might help our understanding and appreciation for the story that might be coming, I figure maybe at the very least we could do a fake-ass comics history on Mordred and just see, uh, see where the pieces fall, I suppose. But I think that's all I have to say about this issue. Um, probably one of the better issues of Excalibur so far, in my opinion, and uh, absolutely worlds better than X-Corp. So <laughs> we have that going for us as well. Also, worlds better than uh, X-Men Green, which, I mean, that almost goes without saying. But uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. If you're, uh, if you're still interested in Excalibur... This ain't a bad issue to uh, to give a look at. But uh, with all that said, let's uh, let's hop into the mailbag. Uh, we got a letter from Evan talking about New Mutants number twenty, and he says, "Here's another theory that I'm sure has been long has long since been disproven, or maybe proven at this point. But could No Girl have been the one who killed Scout? It just seems so obvious that Farouk did it, but why wasn't it shown?" I mean, I'm not clamoring for a close-up of the adorable little scamp getting murdered, be it by Rod Reese or anyone else, but why not something in silhouette or from a distance, just confirming what we think we know? It could be a bit of misdirection to keep us guessing, but it's really the only obvious indication that Shadow King might not be the guilty party. Maybe no girl wanted a body and figured the person who was trying to get them to stop experimenting with their powers, and one who has a healing factor and doesn't feel pain to boot, was a good candidate. The issue was good, as you said, featuring multiple characters and telling a solid backup story rather than hyper-focusing on one plot thread. And yeah, that's a pretty good theory, that maybe it isn't Farouk. I think that's one that I kind of latched onto early, 
until I realized that uh, this is probably going to go the the way of Ocomics Razor, <laughs> where it's uh, you know the most obvious resolution is going to be the resolution. I wanted to believe from the start that Farouk had maybe turned over a new leaf and changed his ways here. We saw him, I believe it was during uh, Bay and Doug's wedding reception, where he's just there, you know, as a, I don't know if he's an invited guest, but he still he's there. And people see him and people know it's him. And he's kind of just, uh, you know, watching out for these irregular kids. And it seemed like, okay, this could be an interesting story where... All of our assumptions are kind of turned on their ear. But the further we get into the story, I don't know, it just feels like it's definitely going to be <laughs> Shadow King as the bad guy here. We've seen what he's done to Rain, and Rain did deliver Scout to the Shadow King. We don't know if... we didn't see much after that, though. It just feels like it's probably going to go that direction. And even though that's kind of obvious, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I mean, that could be a really good story. Maybe we'll get another guy thrown in the hole. Maybe this is going to lead to that Sabretooth series. You know, maybe they'll throw Shadow King in the hole and somehow Sabretooth will... Uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, postulating here. But thank you so much for dropping some thoughts on that issue in New Mutants, Evan. I always love hearing from you. And you know what? Speaking of Sabretooth being in the hole, um, we got some solicits to talk about here. These are from Marvel Free Previews number two, volume whatever the hell. Uh, this is November for January 2022 shipping, in theory, because, yeah, <laughs> I think we all know that pretty much every book we're about to discuss has been delayed into at the very earliest February, but, uh, yeah, we'll play along like we don't know that, huh? How about that? The cover is The Ex-Lives and Ex-Deaths of Wolverine. The back cover is more Devil's Reign, and the inside front cover is Sabretooth number one. Now, this this issue, or this pamphlet, brochure, catalog, opens with six pages featuring the X-Lives and X-Deaths of Wolverine. Both are being solicited as five-part miniseries, you know, very much in the uh, Hox Pox vein, which makes me wonder, what are we going to call these? I don't know if there's anything quite as catchy as Hox Pox. Uh, I mean, we have... XLWXDW? That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. If anybody has any suggestions, please uh, send them my way, and that's what we will call this uh, this run. Anyway, did you all know that this is the biggest Wolverine story of all time? Yeah, he's been around for like 50 years now. This is the biggest story ever told with Wolverine. Apparently, that's what they're saying here. Both of these series are being written by Ben Percy. X-Lives has art by Joshua Kassara, Percy's uh, usual uh, compadre on uh, X-Force. And X-Deaths has art by Federico Vincentini. And uh, they are 5 to $6 a pop, so this series will set you back at least 50 bucks. Week 1, X-Lives number 1. Now, the future has become intertwined with the past, and so Wolverine's going to have to travel to various points in time to prevent the death of a key figure... In mutant history. Now, I don't know if this actually feeds into the theory I had where this is kind of just a renamed, you know, X Lives and X Deaths of Mora, where maybe they figured Wolverine might sell a little bit better, and I'm sure <laughs> Wolverine will sell a little bit better than a Mora McTaggart series, but I wonder if that's what we're getting at here. You know, uh, if he's going to have to travel to points where Mora dies and, uh, Either make sure she dies or make sure she doesn't die in certain situations to make sure nothing changes. 
I don't know. And if that is the case, and this is me completely spitballing here, this series could have as big or bigger ramifications than Hoxpox even did, because if something is taken out of an equation, we don't know what might change about the present. So that could be interesting. It could be infuriating. It uh, it could be troubling. Uh, we will uh, we will see when this eventually comes out. Now, week two is the X deaths of uh, Wolverine number one, and this one is uh, this one claims to be chock full of revelations. Week three, X lives number two, something to do with Xavier, and week four, X deaths number two, in which no one is safe. So. I'm guessing that this is going to run into the early parts of March. So, well, actually, it was going to run into the early parts of March. With the delays, uh, this could be going until July. <laughs> Who even knows? Uh, next up, we got Devil's Reign, X-Men number one of three. It's by uh, our old cable team here, Duggan and Noto, $4. And this is going to play into the Emma Frost and Kingpin relationship, which we saw hinted at during the... Uh, the Lourdes uh, storyline in Marauders, where we saw that uh, Emma had dropped Lourdes off with uh, the Kingpin in exchange for a favor, and there's some secrets involved, and uh, maybe that'll start to come out here. And, uh, you know, it was Jerry Duggan who uh, established that bit of continuity, so, uh, you know, that could be interesting. That could be interesting, and I guess uh, the Kingpin is now the mayor of New York, so, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, next up, Sabretooth, number one of five, Victor Laval, or Victor Lavalle, and uh, Leonard Kirk, $5. And uh, we'll find out here what Sabretooth has been up to down in the hole. Black Panther, number three, Legacy, number 200, by John Ridley and more, with art by Juan Cabal and more, $6. Now, this is a resolicit for that Black Panther and Storm story uh, that Marvel retroactively realized coincided with their voodoo math net legacy numbering. We were going to cover it before. We'll still cover it now. Hulk number three has Wolverine on the cover, and it's um, the old-looking, you know, the old uh, weird cat's eye mask from Hulk 180, 181, you know. Um, it doesn't mention him anywhere in the solicit itself, so maybe it's just he's on the cover. So we'll see. We'll track that one. If it's something that we need to cover, we uh, we will. Uh, X-Men Legends number 11 has the Simonsons for 4 bucks, and this features the old 80s New Mutants versus the old 80s Horsemen of Apocalypse. Eh. X-Men number 7, uh, Jerry Duggan, Pepe Larraz, $4. Uh, here, Captain Krakoa takes charge of the X-Men, and the cover features all of the X-Men, sans Cyclops, flying alongside the Captain. So that that's a story that I'm... I'm quite interested in. I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to all play out. We got Marauders Annual number one, Steve Orlando and Kreese Lee, five bucks. This is apparently kicking off the next volume of Marauders, and I'm sure it's a, a surefire 10 out of 10 book, even though it hasn't come out yet. Uh, we got Call Me Kate, Bishop, Dakin, Dakin, and Quinan versus Brimstone Love. Yeah, that guy from X Men 2099 who Orlando probably only chose because of his goofy name. So uh, we have that to look forward to. New Mutants number twenty-five, Vida Ayala and Rod Reese, five bucks. It's a hey, it's a you know uh, a landmark issue here, a milestone issue, twenty-five issues, which that's a rarity in Marvel nowadays. So it gets that extra dollar, and it kicks off the Labors of Magic storyline, which could be fun and it could be a nice change of pace from the eighteen nineteen part Shadow King storyline that we're currently in. 
We've got Phoenix Song Echo 4 of 5. Um, don't, I'm, I'm sure I'll be ordering that, but I don't know if we'll be covering it. We'll play it by ear here. I do have the first issue in the pile next to me. It just arrived the other day. I haven't had a chance to take a look at it yet, but uh, I'm guessing that we probably will be taking a look at that and uh, perhaps the entire miniseries. Uh, we've also got Strange Academy number 15, which features Battle Class with Magic. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll order it. Just out of, you know, completionist's sake But it uh, remains to be seen whether or not we'll devote an entire episode to it Or if we'll just mention it, perhaps on New Mutants Day Just to, uh, you know, drop in a little bit of exposition But those are all the single issues coming out Uh, We do have a whole slew of collected editions that are being solicited here Starting with The Phoenix Omnibus, Volume 1 This is 688 pages for 100 bucks It includes X-Men 97 through 105 107 and 108, and 125 through 138. Also, Phoenix, The Untold Story, material from Classic X-Men 6, 8, 13, 18, 24, 43. Isn't that the, uh, those are the numbers from Lost? Uh, we got Bizarre Adventures number 27, which I actually just happened to cross in a, uh, in a cheap magazine bin. I was very, very jazzed to find it, because that's, that was one of those books back in the 90s where, it just seemed like uh, one of those that would always be out of your grasp Because, I mean, where did you find magazines? You know, you just didn't find old magazines back then And uh, knowing that there were, like, I think there were three uh, Just untold X-Men stories in there There's an Iceman story, a Nightcrawler story And, of course, the uh, the Phoenix story Which was recently reprinted in one of those True Believers um Phoenix collection that I think they they put out alongside the uh, Marvel Legacy stuff and the Return of Jean Grey. There were a slew of Phoenix-related uh, True Believers books coming out then, and I did grab the Bizarre Adventures one, but I tell you, it's really cool to own the, the original. Also, uh, What If number 27 is included in that omnibus as well. We also have the Inferno crossover, 192 pages for $40. 40 bucks for four issues <laughs> Yikes um, X-Force by Percy, Volume 1, Hardcover This is 336 pages Also for 40 bucks, like twice the pages, 40 bucks X-Force, Volume 6, Issues 1 through 12 are included in that one We've got X-Men, The Trial of Magneto, Trade Paperback 152 pages, 25 bucks The Death of Doctor Strange, Companion Trade This includes the X-Men chapter, so... If you didn't buy that for four or five bucks and you want to spend 25 for it, here's your opportunity. We've got Excalibur by Howard, Volume 4, 136 pages for 16 bucks. This one includes Excalibur, Volume 4, issues 22 through 26. Marauders by Duggan, Volume 4, 176 pages for 18 bucks. This is Marauders 22 through 27. X-Men by Duggan, Volume 1, 168 pages for 18 bucks. This is X-Men, Volume 6, 1 through 6. We've got some anthologies. The Reign of X Volume 9 Anthology, 160 pages for $18. This includes Hellions number 11, Wolverine 11 and 12, New Mutants 18, Sword number 5, and X Factor number 7. Reign of X Volume 10, 168 pages, also $18. This one includes X Factor 8 and 9, X Corp number 1, Marauders number 20, and Way of X number 1. Wolverine by Percy, Volume 3, 144 pages, 18 bucks. Wolverine, Volume 7, number 14 through 19. X-Force by Percy, Volume 4, also 144 pages, also $18. 
This is X-Force Volume 6, Issues 21 through 26. We've got the Excalibur Epic Collection, Volume 8, The Battle for Britain. 504 pages for 45 bucks. This includes Excalibur number 104 through 115, Colossus number 1, Kitty Pride Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1 through 3, and New Mutants Truth or Death 1 through 3. Finally, we have Aurora Before the Storm graphic novel, and I think these are the new, like, all-ages digests, I think. This is 224 pages for 13 bucks. This features Aurora Before the Storm, number 1 through 4, Uncanny Origins, number 9. Wow. <laughs> Imagine reprinting an issue of Uncanny Origins. Yikes. Uncanny X-Men First Class, number 4, Marvel Age Spider-Man Team-Up, number 5. That's a mouthful. Uncanny X-Men 265 through 266, so the first appearance of Gambit. Uncanny X-Men First Class Giant Size Special, another mouthful. And Black Panther Volume, who the hell knows, number 23. Well, those are our previews, and uh, I guess they were our previews, so Lord only knows what we're going to actually wind up getting in uh, January. Maybe they'll do a uh, an amended version of Marvel Previews Volume whatever number two. Who knows? Maybe this will be a collector's item because uh, it's all before the big uh, the big change up. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But uh, we do have some news. We do have some news to pop into here. The first is Secret X Men. This is all the losers from the X Men election teaming up to do some Shi'ar stuff. It's written by Teeny Howard. Um, well, uh, I guess we can repeat to ourselves that it's only a one shot. It's only a one shot. It's only a one shot. Uh, this is coming supposedly. In February So for all we know this is going to hit in September 2022 Who knows I'm not all that jazzed for it Especially considering how they changed how the election worked inside the story So like these characters coming together That doesn't make sense narratively Right? These guys weren't the front runners for the X-Men in the story Like uh, Gene opened her mind and everybody was a possibility Not just these guys I don't know Whatever the case, uh, it's Shi'ar stuff, <laughs> so uh, we'll see, we'll see. I, I made the joke several times that uh, this issue needs to have the tagline, because you specifically didn't demand it, because uh, they all lost the election. We didn't want these characters. Well, I wanted Banshee, but I mean, overall, we, we didn't want these characters, and now they're foisting a 5 or $6 one-shot on us. Now, the other piece of news is X-Men 97. This is the announcement that the X-Men animated series from the 90s is being relaunched on the Disney Plus app in 2023. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you liked that, here's more of it. Uh, me, personally, I'm bracing to be smacked in the face by wave after wave of faux social media nostalgia. But uh, maybe we'll get pictures of, uh, you know, Wolverine holding a picture of Jean Grey and uh, people saying that this defined their childhood. And maybe they'll reflect on how they used to watch it while, while sipping on an Ecto Cooler and eating Dunkaroos because, you know, uh, hashtag 90s. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, that is the news for today. Uh, we also, since this is a Monday episode, have our This Week in X segment. Appearing right now on Marvel Unlimited, we've got Children of the Atom number 6, X-Force number 22, and X-Men Legends number 6. On shelves this coming Wednesday, we have Sword number 2 with two covers, X-Force number 25 also with two covers, and the X-Men Epic Edition, or Epic Collection, Volume 8, I, Magneto, for uh, $45. And I tell you what, every time I see one of these Epic Collections on the, you know, This Week segment here, I always kick myself for not having pre-ordered it for, like, 
40 or 50 percent off at dcbs or in stock trades or wherever because i mean 45 bucks is a decent price for you know 500 pages of just you know beautiful comics imagine half of that you know 22 dollars that's a killer deal and i always every time i see it i kick myself for not biting on it Anyway, from here, let's head into the shout-out department, thanking the folks who helped to spread the word and raise the profile of this little program on social media. Over on Twitter, I want to thank Dave Schultz, Jeremiah, Chris Bailey, Billy D, Joe Crawford, Jason Colby, Luke Viroletti, Rebecca Thompson, Mark Jagger, Al Sedano, and Felipe Alves Deo. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Jesse D. Young, Andrew Franklin, Pat Sampson, Jeremiah, Walt Neeland, and Billy D. Let's keep the thank you train rolling here. Thanking the patrons over at patreon.com slash xlapsed. Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse D. Young, Damian, Peter McPherson, Mark Jagger, Herman, and Andrew in Belfast. Thank you all so much for your support. It really does mean so much to me. And there are plenty more goodies headed uh, over to the uh, Patreon page uh, in the next little while. So I hope you're looking forward to that as much as I'm looking forward to sharing it. But I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, If anybody out there would like to get a hold of me for any reason at all, please feel free to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can send an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to the uh, all-new, all-different, still-ugly, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. Still working on that. Still, uh, you guys know me. I'm not good at making decisions. So uh, I've got a lot of uh, layouts put in front of me, and I just can't... uh... (laughs) I can't decide. Uh, If anybody out there has any sort of web design experience who could just say, hey, make it look like this, I'd be more than happy to do it because I am absolutely lost. Uh, Where was I? Yes, Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. The complete audio archives are at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And, of course, for extras and goodies and behind-the-scenes stuff, you can go to patreon.com slash xlapsed. Well, that's all for me. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad that original recipe X-Lapse is back. Not that I don't enjoy essentials, but uh, the last handful of issues we've had of the Silver Age stuff has left me a little bit wanting. And uh, I think I needed to put that back on the shelf for just a little while to recharge the Silver Age uh, batteries. So happy to be back with the current year stuff. Looking forward to working our way through the October releases here. We've got an Inferno coming up. We've got the Trial of Magneto rolling on. Some good stuff ahead of us, and uh, we'll also very likely take a look at the first issue of that Phoenix Song Echo miniseries. So, a lot of fun stuff ahead of us in the next couple weeks. I hope you're as stoked as I am, and uh, I would love to hear from you if you are or if you're not. (laughs) But uh, with all that said, thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya!